Welcome to Oral Fixation. My name is Drew. And my name is Andy. And every episode, we take a formative queer album and use it as the backdrop for a conversation about music, gay history, and our own journeys as queer people. It's not actually that easy to create a music podcast without the music. So in the interests of legal transparency, any audio samples under copyright that we use are entirely for the purposes of review and critique. I promise. This episode, we discuss Experience the Divine by Bette Midler, which was released by Atlantic Records in 1993 and re-released in 1996. We hope you enjoy listening. Um, yes, we're here at Andy's office. Thanks so much for having us. Um, and shout out to Liz yeah, for yeah. letting us stay here. So this week, we are taking an album very special to me, um, which is... Uh, it's actually... Well, it's a Greatest Hits album. So we hadn't really discussed this before, but I guess we're fine doing Greatest Hits albums. Um, yeah, but, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really too late now. Um, anyway, so yes, we are discussing Experience the Divine, which is by the divine Miss M, Miss Bette Midler, who is such a huge icon for me. I find her to be so um, just full of joy and energy. Because actually, interestingly... Most of the songs that she she does, she released, she's released, and certainly most of the songs on this album, this album, uh, sorry, are cover versions. I've, I will ask you about that later. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of the the stuff that she's done is not original material. I think no, "Wind no, Beneath no. My Wings" is originally hers. Um, I, honestly, I, I would love to get into this as a topic. Do you want to do it right now? Well, no. I mean, yeah. I, I guess just uh, yeah. Why not? Why well, not? look. What I found really interesting about listening to this is over the, the last couple of years, I've tried to delve more into um, our older icons. I've been learning my yes. history. I've been learning our history. Our shared history. history. And um, you know, we've chatted before about how all gays begin with Judy Garland. Um, and mo- moving like kind of forward in time, um, you've got your Bets and your Barbaras of the seventies, mm. and these kind of and your Lizers. I actually don't know much Barbara. Or much We're going to do a Barbara. Album. We'll do Barbara. We're going to do this yeah. one that I listened to. It's like, oh okay, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, all of these women had incredible um, voices stage presence they could act they were like quadruple threat yes however none of them were known for their songwriting and that's because at a time maybe that was it wasn't particularly prized then these amazing songwriters would look for these vessels for their art yeah and um these women were quite open about not being songwriters that's not what they were here to do however on bet's wikipedia page it does list songwriter in her opening sentence but she's not known for a songwriter yeah interesting that's so true. I'd never thought about that, that like the sort of, the older, many of the older gay icons weren't, didn't write their own material. And no. they did sort of, they do older stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of this, these songs that... Like standards. Yeah. Yeah. Like your classics. Yeah. Almost like, dare I say, like karaoke hits. Kind of. Yeah. But then with the song like, okay, like let's take, for example, um, In My Life, which is on this album, yeah. which is a Beatles song. Yeah. I think that Bet brings something to that song that I never picked up on yeah. listening listening it yeah. to it by listening to it 
as a Beatles song. Yeah. So it's kind of like I think that Bet has this, and I can't speak to to Barbara or or Liza too much because I'm sort of not fully educated on on their sort of back catalogues. But she just like takes she has the ability to take a song and just for want of a better phrase, not to sound too X-Factor, but really makes them her own and tells that story. Yeah. And you really just sort of feel it viscerally. Which which raises the debate that I've... I've had this chat so many times with different people. Um, How important is it that someone wrote that song? Right. Um, And I would say I'm quite firmly in the middle. I really, really respect and thrive off a singer-songwriter. Like, all my faves write their own songs. Many of them, many of their best songs, however, weren't written by them. And there's so many artists that we love who aren't known for their songwriting. Like, your your Kylie's, your Britney's. um, People have made various comments about even your Beyonce's and your Mariah's, but that's that's not for here. here. Um, So anyway, is songwriting important to you and your artists? I think that's just up to the personal opinion of the listener. Because we can see from something like this that people love Bette Midler because she's Bette Midler. Because she's Bette frickin' Midler. And I guess, like, as, as you were saying that, I was thinking, well, non, like, directors don't write their films, the actors don't write their films, but they still tell stories. Sure. And I think that that's what a good singer like Bette Midler is doing. She's telling a story. She's understood fully what that song's about, and she's taken it and she said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it to this angle. Or to this level. What was the when was the first time you remember um, coming into contact with the force that we know as Bette Midler? Great question. So the album, this album, Experience the Divine, which is I think she's got loads of different greatest hits albums. It's one of those. Originally, this album came out in 1993, and then it was reissued in 1996. And I think my dad bought the 1996 version. Okay. I think it was 1996. And it's one of those ones that we just had in the car. Uh, I knew it would be a car CD. It's a car CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you, I don't know if you had this, but we had, in the car that we had as, as kids, um, as a family when we were children, um, had one of those like six CD rotations, right? Oh my gosh. That's like deluxe. Oh, okay. Sorry, my... <laughs> like, so in the boot of the car, there was this bit where you'd put six CDs, but because we were so lazy, it would just be the same six CDs, so like a 60s medley, and then like, anyway, this was one of them. And I remember being, so in 1996, I would have been nine, or ten? Nine. Turning ten. And, um, and so yeah, sort of finishing up primary school, and I, it just, it's one of those CDs that just reminds me of, of long summer drives. Mm. Just going to like a family friend's house on like a mm. Sunday afternoon. Windows down. Windows down. Mm. Wind in my hair. Mm, not Bet beneath your ears. wings? The air beneath my foot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and it just really, um, it, was, it was just, it's like imprinted into my mind. I can just imagine, very evocative. Yeah, because there's, and there's, obviously there's, there's loads of amazing uh, songs on the album, but the sort of, the big, the big, well, there's loads of big ones, but one of the really big songs for, for me and my entire family is Only in Miami. Mm. Did you, so, had you, had you heard, had you, so, listeners, just to give some context, big, big album for me, not sure of your, like, relationship to this album, had, were there, are there songs on here that you'd literally never heard before? Look, my first um, experience of Bette Midler is one that I will always tra- tra- 
Treasure and Cherish. 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 Cherish the love. And it was watching Hocus Pocus on video at my cousin's house and thinking, who are these incredible characters? And it was just the other day we were listening to another podcast. And um, Kathy Najimi from Hocus Pocus says the reason she thinks generations of little gay boys and girls um, love Hocus Pocus is because it was their first introduction to what they love now in drag queens. Yeah. These superhero cartoon characters who are fierce and funny and had different um, personalities. And really, I didn't know anything about that until, other than Hocus Pocus until I maybe, yeah, going on one of my history learning journeys and finding out how her career is so closely tied to the gay community and how she literally came up through those bathhouses in the 70s with Madame Barry Manilow. Yes. And, like, talk about literal gay icons. She started her career in a gay sauna. Yes. How fucking fierce Queen. is that? Sorry, excuse me. Sorry. Beep. Um, um, did that answer your question, though? Um, no. Well, have, yeah, no, but my, my, I mean, it's this is all, like, super valid. But my question was, have you, had you listened to many of the songs before on this album? I, the first time I listened to this album was when you asked me to do it for this really? episode. Really? Yes. So you haven't had any of the songs? I've always known that she was that kind of... Um, uh, songstress that we just discussed that kind of you know she's got her Vegas shows she's done covers before um, but I couldn't have named you okay the Bette Midler songs I knew are The Rose Wind Beneath My Wings and my mum loves this song um, Stay With Me Baby yeah. what's that from I'm so sorry about that that was but beautiful we'll edit in the actual song over that yeah. what film is that from I, I actually don't I don't know what song you're talking about Right. Is it not? I don't think it's on this I one. think it's from the Janis Joplin film, the, the one the Rose. Oh, oh. Stay with me, babe. I, I don't could know. be totally I don't lying. Know. I don't know, sorry. Right, didn't know this album until you asked me to right. listen to it. So, so, hold up, you hadn't even... Had, have you not seen Beaches? I have. I think your sister got me to watch it, and I think it was so built up for me, I just expected right. to be crying the whole time, and I sat there... Dry eyes in sight. Right. I mean, you're an ice maiden. But <laughs> I am. I am. I think I am. it might be one of those performance things. anxiety. <laughs> cry, cry. No, especially if my sister. So, listeners, <laughs> I don't know. If, I'm sure you're going to be in bits at this. Seriously, though. So you'll learn this, listeners. Um, I actually met Andy through my sister, um, and he's one of my sister's best friends, and I recently moved to Sydney, and he lives here, and he's um, basically uh, saved my life, um, and we've become really close. A few times, actually. A few, a few times, yeah, thanks again. Um, so, um, but I can imagine that she would have been like, oh my god, you need to watch Beaches, you're going to cry your eyes out, and it's going to be a visceral that. experience, and I think she, maybe she probably over overhyped it for you. Great but, film, though. Great film, yeah. and very iconically gay film as well. Yeah, and the 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 brunette, what's her name, Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey. Is she? Well, well, I've actually first saw her in The Black Swan. Yeah, oh, well, she looks completely different because she's had so much surgery. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, do you know what so, the scariest part of that film was? Black Swan. When she threw the whole cake in the bin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a load of <laughs> binge eaters, anonymous binge eaters sort of screamed the world over at that scene. Um, myself included. So, um, anyway, okay, so that's interesting that you've not. I wonder then if. if, if the your I wonder if your experience of this album will get to it with with sort of your overarching thoughts, but because it's obviously so important to me in the yeah. same way that Beaches was important to my sister, 
I wonder if... I hated the whole thing. <laughs> Didn't cry once. <laughs> no, spoiler alert, I absolutely loved it. Okay, great. So I, I want to hear, hear your story first. My yeah. story. Okay, so going back to what I was talking about before, Only in Miami is um, just a really... It's actually a really sad song. If you listen to the lyrics, because it's about... I is think it about it's, immigrants? It's about like a Cuban like immigrant, Cuba. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In um, Sitting in Miami. Gloria saying, Estefan. Yeah. <laughs> Gloria has to stand. <laughs> yes. Um, so looking over to Cuba, being like, oh God, like my home's so far away. But it's such a rapturous, joyous kind of like. And it just got us all as a family so razzed. And one of my, I think one of my earliest memories, wait, no, it can't be what I'm A really, really vivid memory of my childhood is every Easter, my family and I would go to. Um, to a local horse horse races. Plumpton. Plumpton. Have you ever been to Plumpton? I've been invited many times. But you ne- never made it. <laughs> no. Always had a better offer. Um bed watching beaches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we went um, to Plumpton and uh, it was a really nice, hot, sunny Easter day. And everyone, basically, we all go to the races. And at this point in our, in our um, childhoods, we, we wouldn't drink, but the adults would drink and we'd bet and there was a fairground and blah, blah, blah. And for some reason, I think the, all the parents, the family, friends were all a bit um, uh, pissed. pissed, for want of a better phrase. And so whacked the stereo in our Jeep up to like 11, played only in Miami, and Shah, which is my younger sister, um, gets up on the roof of the car. Have you heard this story? No. <laughs> gets up on the roof. She would have been six or seven. Six? Yes. Oh she was a diva gosh. from the start. Gets up on the roof and lip syncs this song. <laughs> a six-year-old lip syncing for her life and to Bette Midler. She did not miss one lyric. She knew every single word to that song. Oh my god. And me and my older sister were her, shocked. No, we were her fucking backup dancers at the, in front of the Jeep. Swaying and shoop shooping. Incredible. Now, when you hear that kind of like semi cringe phrase, like, I'm a gay man trapped in a woman's body, this hoe is. is. She, she actually, actually is. is. She puts the, she's the ally. She, it's her and Michelle Visage out there just, you know, killing it. They were the ones who recommended the addition of A to the board of yeah, LGBT. They needed that recommendation. And this was their evidence. Yeah. That was their evidence. Six year old at Plumpton. But interesting what you were saying before about um, Bette Midler's character in Hocus Pocus being um, a, a drag queen. Um, I think Bette Midler's a drag queen. She absolutely is a drag queen. I think that she, my sister, we all felt that in her. Um, and my sister felt that in her so to the point where she, which she wouldn't have known what she was doing, but she was getting up on that stage and she was lip syncing to this woman's music because she was larger than life, because she was brassy and bold. And brassy and bold. They, they, I'm just seeing all these classic gay icon um, components when you think of someone like Bette Midler. Um, not uh, classically beautiful, but still beautiful. Just like not the not the kind of mainstream beauty. Yeah. Um, a bit a bit like shorter than average. Yeah. Uh, curvaceous, feisty, fierce, quick witted, um, sharp. Um, takes doesn't suffer falls. Yeah, and do you know why I think that so many of those people, like Barbara and Bet, and I would actually even say Gaga nowadays. Yeah, do you know why? I think Liza, they, yeah. Liza. Do you know why I think they're gay icons? Why? Because they've been told no. 
Yeah, right. They've been told you don't. Well, they, yeah, all of them. You're not good enough. You don't fit into this mold that we think is marketable, or you know, will be you're not going to make it. You're not going to yeah. make it. And they have said, like we all as queer people do, hopefully, if we can garner the strength. Sometimes it's difficult, but they've all looked at those people back in the in the eye and said, "That's what you think," and I'm going to prove you wrong. And, and that's I think the drive. that is what makes them so revered amongst our community because. They've refused to settle for mediocrity. And I think Are you so saying cool. that you're revered amongst our community? Oh, <laughs> prolific. Um, no, but that's a key driver for you. It's a key driver for me. Yeah, no, um, totally. There's, there's actually not many more powerful things than being told you can't do something. Yeah, prove them wrong. Prove all them bitches Give wrong. me a record and I'll break it. Oh. Mm. Um, back so to bet. Back to bet. So how about you then, Andy? You hadn't listened, well, apart from um, Wind Beneath My Wings and a couple... You hadn't really... And I'll put a spell on you. Uh, Of course. Which which didn't make it to the album. Um, Um, Can I tell you initial thoughts? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, First track. What on earth is this 90s house banger doing on a greatest hits? And I'll I'll tell you why. It's Cher. It's because of Cher. Sorry? I reckon it's because of Cher. It was pre-show though. Oh, fuck. No, you're right. It's pre-believe. Um, okay, what makes you think then? Oh, yeah, Well, it's post-Vogue. It's of that early 90s era where they were taking, like, classic um, house piano dance songs and making pop songs out of them. Yeah. Very, very normal for the time. Just unusual to my ears because it's that. It, 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 like, listening back to it, I think we always skipped that one. I wouldn't skip it now. I'd play it now, but I'd just never heard it before. Yeah. So it was just, I checked it out. It was just written by some random guy. And I think what had happened was, as was very common with Greatest Hits then and Greatest Hits now to an extent, um, you'd whack a new single. Yeah. On um, the Greatest Hits album to give them something to promote, but generally, actually, in many cases, the the Greatest Hits single would be very contemporary to that time, like yeah. very on trend. But it could also be, as a result, jarring with what made that artist successful. Interesting. So then, Bet's got all these like standards and kind of jazz Broadway esque numbers, but she's opening with a piano dance song. But can I just say, I'm not against any of this, and I absolutely loved it. Right. It's interesting as well because there's also a sort of more chilled version on at the end of the um, at the end of the album. The last track is also the same song but just without that remix. Is it like more of a classic bet? So I think that, um, I think that the first, like the opener is is like a, is a, a weird remix. And I wonder if the one at the end is the original. Right, okay. But I don't know. I don't okay. Um, but so other than that, were there any songs in particular that stood out to you? Um, this is going to be a bit embarrassing because I'm sure that our scores of listeners will be throwing their phones out the window at this point, but... All ten of them. All ten of them. We'll be lucky. Um, I <laughs> Hi, Mum. I had, speaking of mums, the only time I'd ever heard Chapel of Love before is sung by my mum. Really? I've never heard it as an actual recorded song. Really? So I'm singing along to it. I know every single word, but it's because like my mum would just sing it around the house. That's so cute. But like, it's a real song. We play that every in our house every morning that we're getting ready for the wedding. Like spring is here, and it just sort of gets us really. 
Beautiful. Yeah. Um, what is the song that I said to you was the mother of Candyman by Christina? Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B. Now, obviously, Candyman has to be a direct homage. To I think song. it definitely. The verses, the chorus, the intonation—it's like near enough a cover. It basically is, isn't it? Yeah. I, I really got that impression re-listening this time. Yeah, but Bet, Bet wouldn't have been the first person. That is very of like that kind of forties Andrews sisters post World War Two kind of style. Yeah, she but didn't. Candyman specifically that. sounds so much like the Bet yeah. song. Yeah, I liked it. I love it though. I, 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 yeah, I, I think that that's, and I think that someone like Christina would have been directly influenced. Sure. I don't know if someone like Britney would have, but I know. Just have the range. Just have the range. We'll get to Christina in another episode, but one thing you can always count on from Miss Aguilera is <laughs> um, knowing her history, paying respect, and being quite open about her homages. Yeah. Um, so, what else did I love? Um, well, we'll save like the big ones because I want to hear your opinion on them first. Um, you actually asked me to listen first to what's probably her kind of masterpiece, which is the Divine Miss N. Yes. That's what made her famous. Yeah. It's that incredible collection. You imagine her as this young, vibrant, redhead, um, fabulous woman in a bathhouse with Barry on keys. Pre-surgery. Um, just so gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous at all eras, but that young um, girl. Yeah. You can just imagine gays in the 70s thinking, who is this woman? And just woman? being like, Fucking stop work. swearing! Sorry, freaking Alison. I'm doing. I'm doing this for you. Sorry, Alison's my mum. Sorry, mum. She told me to stop swearing so much on this. Um, but you can just imagine, especially think it, it would be different for them. They were in those bathhouses, and it was illicit. It was a, this secret. It was. I don't know whether those. I think they actually they were legal. But they had to have been. But to be in there would be like this. Yeah, age, you know, you wouldn't really see him walking in and out. No, that's no, what I mean. Yeah, no. not that it was it was illegal, but it was it was this secret space where probably a lot of these gay men certainly. Um, I'm, I'm sure that there were gay women there too, but um, there wouldn't have been gay women in the sauna. Okay, fine. No. All of these gay men would have been having to keep th- this part of them a secret. And then going underneath and having this woman on the stage being this amazing figurehead of celebration and, yeah. and, and just enjoying herself so much. There would have been a lot of finger wagging going on in those bathhouses, put it that way. And imagine the buzz that would spread throughout Manhattan afterwards. Oh. Like, I'm really taking pains to make it clear I am not looking back at that era with rose-tinted glasses. No. Uh, we're very lucky to be living in the time that we are now. But just imagine that kind of... Were you, did you see Thingy at Thingy? And like that kind of spread of energy. Um, Anyway, so what I'm trying to say is, so I listened to that first and that kind of sits aligned with me. I'll come back to this when I do the episode on the the Barber album because it's so similar to me in that aspect. But um, I... Loved how her voice can sound so sad. It can sound so beautiful, Mm. kind of mournful. She does have that um, kind of... Um, the girl who watches um, other girls get the guys yeah. kind of... It's totally rich. that, isn't it? Yeah. And speaking of her voice, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, as I lose my own voice, um, I love her speaking voice as well. I love it. So many of the songs um, on loads of her albums, but um, on Experience the Divine, 
she'll she'll open and she'll sort of she'll do a little bit of an ad lib or, mm. or tell a story. One of my favorites is um, Shiver Me Timbers. Mm. Love that, love it. And she begin. I'm actually getting shivers, <laughs> shivers thinking about it. How are your timbers? Uh, no complaints. Um, and she opens that song and, and she she sort of. I think it's a it, it's a live recording. And she says, to "I'm gonna I'm gonna sing We're a song for you guys." A song from the sea. Sometimes you get out on the sea and you, in the middle of the night, you know, you can't see your hand in front of your face. There's a way to uh, navigate, though, you know, by the stars. I never learned. <laughs> but I always loved, loved the sea and stuff about the sea. Seahorses, seashells, sea minus, <laughs> stuff, stuff about the sea. Sometimes I sing this song, I think to myself, this isn't... <laughs> Oh, you know, you recognize. Sometimes I think, think this song isn't about the sea at all. This song's about uh, just trying to get, get someplace, get, get out of it, you know, get out of whatever. Just get away. just goes into it and I have this album uh, sorry I have this playlist um, called I love just walking alone uh, you in, love walking alone in, in at, specifically at night time yeah and so this playlist is called walking alone at midnight yes. um, yeah a bit predatory just sort of go, to, go down to this the various beats of Sydney um, no but uh, it's just such a lovely song to listen to at mm. night and just feel specifically like right now in my life I, I went on one such walk the other day and listened to this song and I just felt so far away from all of my family, but there it was there was this weird sort of comfort in that as well. Mm. I don't know because it's, it's nice keeping them far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, as far as geographically I can <laughs> yeah. be from them is just super comforting. No, That's I don't beautiful. know, but you know, just that that feeling of of kind of of reveling in your in your loneliness or sadness. I don't know. There's something kind of. Oh, totally. No, no, I completely understand that. that. No, 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 not at all. Um, She is, to me, a classic, that kind of, I say this not in an insulting way, but the dream Vegas model. She probably came up through Vegas. I haven't Googled it, but I'm sure after New York, she would have gone straight to Vegas. She's been known in recent years to have that Vegas residency. She does the whole shebang, and that's what people in... I, I saw Cher recently, and this is what those kind of performers do. They... Sorry, they chat between their songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what the audience wants. They'll do a monologue, and it's all totally scripted. They do the same monologues every night, but the audience wants to hear those funny jokes. It's kind of a stand-up comedy concert, um, which we're not used to from like our standard pop concerts. We don't really want our pop stars to... I mean, I've heard Madonna's monologues, in, honestly. Han, <laughs> when, when just I, sing Vogue, Han. When, when I sing, <laughs> when I when I say I could hear Madonna read the phone book, I no, no. Um, Bet could read the phone book. You know, she's I've, got that comedic delivery. You know, I've seen her live, right? I think so. Didn't you and Char go? Me, me, me and my whole family went. Yeah, and that's so, when she did the hocus pocus thing. She did do hocus after pocus after ignoring it for twenty years out of shame. She's now come back round to yeah, it. Yeah, I guess she's probably got a tax bill due or something. Yeah. Um, but we went to so obviously as as I've said, that huge um, artist for my whole family, and she came to London. I think it was twenty sixteen. The O two was it? Was it? the O two? I remember. But she did exactly what you were talking about. She. She just made... It was basically like a bit of a... She was basically doing stand-up. She was doing... Telling all these jokes. Had all these shticks and these little skits and stuff. And then sung... 
it was such an emotional night because yeah. we just, as I said, we all love that album. And there's one one of the songs that's really important to all of us is a song called From a Distance, which is about viewing what? the world. Is that from a film or is it just... I, actually, I don't think it is. It sounds so cinematic, it like does. a soundtrack song. It's, and it's, very, it's, it's like that, it, well, it's similar to Wind Beneath My Wings in that sort of 80s kind of like... Duh, duh, duh. Anyway, so um, she, we didn't know if she'd perform it because we didn't know, we loved that song, but we didn't know how sort of commercially, you know, um, known it was. And she she started singing it, and I was sitting next to Charlotte, my sister. Um, it was me, my younger sister Charlotte, my older sister Sarah, and my mum Alison, and my aunt Caroline. Shout out to AC. Um, and she started singing that song, and we were all silent, obviously, and uh, and listened to it. And it was just you could feel the, the sort of the tension amongst all of us. Um, and Charlotte, halfway through the song, just turned to me with a tear in her eyes and said, I can't believe I'm seeing this performance live. Mm. And I just burst into tears. And it was just such... It was like a religious moment for us. Seeing seeing Bette Midler perform all those songs um, was... I was a, a great big pimply goose the whole night. Mm. But she, but then she takes you there to that sort of moment of, of uh, you know, quiet introspection. Yep. And then it's like... Bam, here's a few jokes about yeah. how I'm on like Tinder. And it was yeah. really she's she is a obviously we know this, a world-class performer, but I think that what you were saying about Vegas residencies is really interesting. I I don't I reckon that she sort of carved that format out. She's the rubric that everyone will look to. Yeah. Her or well, her and others. Yeah, like it was of it was of that era. Like Cher would have done the same. Um you know kind of like those anyone who came up through like the American variety TV show kind of where they do yeah. everything. They do yeah. the comedy, the acting, the singing mm. and it would all just flow so seamlessly. Yeah. Um like the Osbournes and the, not the, Os- the Osmonds, Osmonds, <laughs> not the Osbournes. They wouldn't be very Vegas. Though yeah. we have to do an episode on Kelly Osbourne. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, what's her album? Like Speak Now or something? Oh God, no! I tell you what, it's got. It, it's called. Oh fuck! Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, it's called. It's something. Speak. It's like not speak for yourself. Can't remember. Shut up. Maybe maybe it actually is called Shut it, Up. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, um, that. It's beautiful. So that that kind of goose pimply moment you talked about where Shah turns to you and she says, I can't believe I'm seeing this song perform live. That's why I go to so many concerts. That's the magic I'm looking for. That's what will make me spend $200 on a concert for someone who I love because there's nothing more magical, especially now when... um, we, we can download anything we want, and I'm definitely not slagging off Spotify. I think it's revolutionary to the way that I and many other people listen to music, and I, I don't want to go back to a different era. However, um, nothing can beat the relationship between you and someone who you are watching perform yeah. on stage, yeah. because you can't replicate that. You can't. Um, and that is magical. Um, is there any other particular song that you wanted to mention on the album? Well, there's quite a big one, but... I reckon oh. we should just go for it. Yeah, we? yeah. So it's actually one of my Desert Island discs. Listeners, for those of you who don't know what Desert Island discs is, know. you should like 
Stop listening to this podcast <laughs> immediately and download some Desert Island Discs. Start with Dawn French. Um, but anyway, the, the very sort of um, quick overview is, is that um, every week a noted person is interviewed and asked to tell uh, the story kind of of their life um, using the eight discs songs that they would take with them if they were stranded on Desert Island to sort of punctuate um, the, the things that have happened to them. And Maybe we'll do ours as an episode one day. I would actually really love to do that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... One of my Desert Island Discs is a song called The Rose, uh, which is from the Janice, Janice uh, Joplin uh, biopic. I think The Rose is has to be that song that everyone knows. Everyone think? knows The Rose, Do you surely. Think? Oh, I thought it, I thought I would have thought that Wind Beneath My Wings was more sort of... Okay, probably those two then, but yeah. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, and so, as I said before, this album, Experience the Divine was an album that was bought by my dad, I guess in 1996 or whenever um, whenever it came out. Um, and we listened to it all the time. And my dad uh, was obsessed with Bette Midler. And the thing that, one of the most special things that my dad gave me was... Your homosexuality. My homosexuality. Uh, no, well, via Bette. <laughs> it probably didn't help. Um, but what he gave me was... Um, he, he taught me that it was very, very important to not be pretentious or judgmental about music. If someone likes a song, that is their business and it, it ignites something in them that means something and therefore it's special. And um, he would just get really annoyed if, if people sort of, you know, when you're at school and, and you'd say, oh, I really like this, mm, this act or mm. this, you know, this uh, artist. Mm. Um, and people would say, oh, God, like, you like them, or like, you know, that's so lame. He would hate that, and he taught me to, to hate it too. I'm so happy to hear that, because that is one of my major passions with anything related to pop culture, um, the shaming of others, yeah. and kind of even the phrase guilty pleasure that people say without realising yeah. its meaning, but I'm like, don't be guilty about your pleasures, celebrate them. Rolf Harris, be guilty about your pleasures. Yes. Listening to Steps, don't be guilty about no. that. And um, for kids at school to do that is so much more forgivable because that's actually kind of part... Yeah. But that's that's part of being a kid, kind of being ashamed and embarrassed of things that you are worried that other people won't like. However, adults still do it to this day. Oh, yeah. And um, we all do it ourselves. Like, I've been on dates where I've been kind of hesitant to tell another gay man yeah. that my favourite artist is Madonna. What's that? Because the likely response is, oh, really? Like, what am I being judged for here? You should, we shouldn't be judging anyone for anything. No. And we can all, we can all be judgmental people, but I love that that's something that your dad instilled in you from a young age. And I wonder if he had a little flash in, in, an inkling that I was gay. Because I remember him sitting me down and saying, saying to me, don't let people get away with making fun of you for the music that you listen to. And I, I just don't know if that... Anyway. I so, think that's really beautiful. Yeah. And don't forget that your dad also had two eyes and two ears. So. <laughs> he could sense. Uh, so, yeah. Um, it, that's Gorge. And Helen Keller would have been. <laughs> um, anyway, so The Rose... Interestingly, we were talking about um, happy songs... Seemingly happy songs being sad. This, I think, is a, a sad song. Seemingly sad song that's actually quite happy and hopeful. Stunning. Because it's about... It's about hope. 
the the lyrics if you listen to the lyrics it's actually a really simple song she's singing it from Janice's point of view I'm not sure like, I actually no. I actually haven't seen the rose I feel bad about it we should watch it we'll definitely yeah, will watch it um, I just wonder whether it's um like Janice singing a, a song or whether it's actually we don't even know was the film we know it was based on Janice but are they actually open and being this is a Janice dropping I actually I, 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 I will have to quickly give sorry you, you carry on with I that. don't think that I think it's um I don't think it's the story of Janis Joplin's life. Someone very similar. Inspired by the events that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, But there's just these lovely, lovely lyrics about not taking chances and sort of just living your life to to the fullest, basically. Um, And, you know, it's the heart afraid of breaking that never learns to dance. Oh my gosh, what a lie. It's the dream. Hang on, the heart afraid of... Breaking, which never learns to dance. Yeah. We were just talking about this the other day. We were, weren't we? The, the being scared of being hurt is what will keep us from being open to mm. love. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And it's basically about, you know, you, life's, you just got to live life. And there's going to be some really, really bad things that happen. Oh, yeah. But if you don't take a chance, if you don't take those risks, then um, then you won't live to your fullest. It's the... It's the um, the soul afraid of dying that never learns to live. I just think what the lyrics are so simple and beautiful, um, but uh, just have so much gravitas to them. It was, I, sorry, I had a really weird um, thought the other day. <laughs> this sounds really bleak. I was having a cold bath. It was a really hot day, okay? Um, right. And I was thinking about, um, you know, how we is uh, resilience yes. and like um i'm sure you won't mind me saying this my brother's going through a pretty hard time at university in america at the minute oh, just a very very standard part of the course stuff but um how humans um develop resilience how do we um arm ourselves with the skills to cope with the shit that life is going to throw us our way sorry Alison. um <laughs> and it's just something learned isn't it something that comes from what you go through and i sat there in the bath thinking I am going to go through trauma in Um, my life yet. Mm. I'm 27 years old and bad things are going to happen and I'm not going to list a single one of them. But we, we, you can make a guess. Yeah. This is life. Mm. Life is mortal. And how, I don't know, part of um, coming to terms with that is, I guess, literally just accepting it. Yeah. Like accepting that life isn't going to be easy. Mm. And trusting in that process, and just I'm getting really deep. Here. No, but I, this is this is what we came for. It's about surrounding yourself with good people, and you know, relying on them when you need them. Um, but also trusting that you'll just you just will get through that stuff. And the reason that this song because everyone does because everyone does. Yeah. Well. Well, most people. The standard things that happen to people in life. Yeah. There's certain bad things that I think everyone goes through. Yeah. And people survive. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, that is why this song in particular, The Rose, is so important to me. Because it was uh, the song that was played at my dad's funeral. Um, and uh, so my dad died five years ago. Forgive me for not knowing this, Andy. Were you at my dad's funeral? I wasn't. I was in America. Oh, I didn't No, no, no. Sorry, were. I was in Australia. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Had you already done Hang America? Hang on. I'm really sorry. This might not be the best forum for it, but I was backpacking around Asia. Right, okay, yeah. no. Okay. Um, but you weren't in the country, so that's Was fine. it a funeral? No. Yeah, no. Um, but yes, so my dad died uh, coming up for five years ago. Um, oh my goodness, nearly to the day. Um, and he had a heart attack. It was very sudden. We were not expecting this. Uh, he was 63, very healthy. 
Um, and and he died, and it was just such... It really was just such a shock for, for me and my whole family. And when we were arranging the funeral, um, we were talking about how, you know, things that we'd want to, to have happen, and we all just immediately unanimously agreed that this song would be played. Um, and uh, as I was saying before, you know, those, those lyrics about... Um, about just not being afraid to, to live your life to the fullest just really, really um, took on a whole new meaning after my dad died. Um, and we basically, my, me and my entire family, have adopted it as like a manual for life. Um, and so, yeah, we had, we had his funeral and as, uh, as the, the coffin was, was taken away, this is the song that, that played. And, oh my gosh, I don't even know how you can listen to it now, though. But do you know what? It's... I, I feel empowered by it because it, I, I don't listen to it all the time, but when I do listen to it, I just think, um, thank God that I had the dad that I had that taught me how important it is to live life to the fullest and, and what an honor to, to be able to play a song like this, which is about hope in, in the face of, of of winter and destruction and adversity. Um, and yeah, like how, how lucky am I to have had that um, huge influence in my life. So stunning. For, for me, it's, it's not a sad song to listen to. No. It's, not, it, it's an emotional song. It's an overwhelming song. But the feelings that I feel um, often aren't sadness. They're more of gratitude. Cheers to Dad. Cheers. Uh, and yeah. I'm so glad you got that haircut the other day. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it looks so much better, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, what a beautiful I story. tried to cut my own hair the other day, listeners. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, that that to me is, it is one of my Desert Island discs. Yeah. It's just, it's so wrapped up in, in, in such a great deal of meaning for me. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and that's, that's, that's why I, I love it so much, because it, it reminds me of my dad. So, we've experienced the divine. We have experienced the divine. I mean, come on, what kind of icon takes the moniker of the divine Miss Ellen? Oh my god, yeah, right, me you, a you know that she, and she, like, came up with that herself. Really? I, I reckon, reckon that could so. have been given to her by, like, a queen or Do something. Do you reckon? Oh, come maybe. on, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Consider that stolen. I just want to, sorry, I am a bit um, anal <laughs> about these things. Um, that dance song is actually not from um, the great, it, you know, I was banging on about how it was made for great tits. It wasn't. It was from a studio album that came out around that time. Um, and it's actually written by a woman. Sorry for saying it was written by a man. Anyway. Who? What, To Deserve You? The, the to Deserve You. Maria McKee. Maria. Yeah. Wow. Who also wrote Show Me Heaven. There you go. Which is a, bang- a banger. We'll have to do that on another episode. Um, Hans, we've experienced the divine. We've, I reckon we've. it's time that we uh, we wrap this thing up. All right, well. Are there, are there any other, uh, to, to quote um, another uh, famous podcaster who I love, Jonathan Van Ness, if we're, if we're thinking yoga, it's the end of the class, yeah. and the yoga teacher says to you, is there any point that I didn't hit today? Is there any stretch that you want to do oh, that I didn't stunning. do? Is stunning. there anything else that you want to bring up um, in this discussion of the Divine Miss M? Um, I just think everything kind of came together quite neatly. We're talking about a gay icon of decades um, who's touched our lives in different ways and... Um, Where on the doll did she touch you, Andy? Um, 
Just to my inner left thigh. Between me down there. Um, one lol anecdote to end on. Yeah, go for it. Um, a colleague of mine, she actually works for the company of the offices that we're sitting in right now, Aussie. She's from um, the south coast of uh, New South Wales, below Sydney. And her mum used to be Bette Midler's nanny. I what? Uh, I tell no lie. Hold up. So she lived in America then? Uh, yes. So her mum, when she was in her early 20s, was like an Australian backpacker in New York and just fell into being Bette Midler's nanny and essentially raised Bette Midler's daughter. Oh my good And they're still God. friends now. So it gets better. When Bette was in... Sorry, Zara. I hope you don't mind me telling the story. Shout um, out to Zara. You, she'd be a guest on this episode, but she's on maternity leave. Oh. Shout out to Zara's son, who passed wind on my arm the last time he was in the office. I'm so glad you said wind. Yeah. So um, when Bette was last on an Australian tour... Um, her Zara's mum got in touch and said, look, hey, you, you might... I don't know how, because back before, like, emails and stuff, she kind of got a message to Bet and said, look, it's probably um, not going to be um, likely that this message gets to Bet, but I just want to say, look, I used to be her nanny. She might not even remember me oh my God. just saying hi. Yeah. And Bet's like, get your ass backstage. Yes, How could I Bet. forget you? And they end up going back to Bet's house in Sydney that she's renting while she's here and having a right old laugh on the champagne. Oh, my God. What a lovely story. God, that you is, can imagine my jaw dropping. stuff right? like that that just fills my heart because the thing you have to remember is these icons have people blowing smoke up their asses mm. day in, day out. Mm. But she's not lost. Same. <laughs> it's difficult mm. for all of us. Yeah. But like Bet, we haven't lost that personality. No, um, but you can tell that she's just still a good time girl. Yeah. I bet that your friend's mum has so many amazing stories about Bet. So I asked that, but um, the reviews are unanimously positive. Yeah. And um, she's got a much closer relationship with Bet's daughter, because obviously that's who of she spent course. the most time with. Yeah. Uh, but just great little anecdote to end on. That is a lovely anecdote. Do you have anything else to add? I actually, do you know what? I feel really, I was, I'll be honest, I was a bit nervous about um, speaking about an album yep. that means such a great deal to me. And you know, we're going to say this so often on this podcast, but... I could talk Wickers. for weeks Wickers. on this. There's going to be things I've missed out. We'd need um, some food eventually. But we, yeah, yeah, we'd waste away. Um, but I feel really satisfied with our discussion. I think it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, and you know what, guys, if there's anything that we didn't pick up on or um, or that you'd like us to, to speak about in the future, then you can always email us um, on oralfixationpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I think at some point soon we might do a, a Q&A episode um, to answer some of your questions. So send in any thoughts about Experience the Divine or Bette Midler in general. Send in any questions you've got. Um, and feel free to recommend albums that you'd like us to cover as well because we'd love to get your recommendations. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at oralfixationpodcast. Um, and we'll be making a Spotify playlist um, after this episode. Absolutely, good idea. We could maybe put in... Yeah, we'll talk about it after. <laughs> but what were you, you going to say? We could put in maybe some like originals of covers that she did and Ooh, stuff. Like, for a yeah. bit of comparison. Yeah. yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, thanks so much to you guys for listening. Um, and we look forward to dissecting another album very soon. What a glorious morning. Makes me sick. Ah! Well, on that, goodbye. Mm-hmm.